Hey there, Crosswinds family and friends. Welcome to Crosswinds Unleashed. Each week, we're dedicated to bringing the best stories and biblical life principles from authentic believers. Our podcast breaks down the Christian life through interviews and practical instruction in what we hope will be a fun and accessible way. I'm Craig Cooper, the host of this podcast and lead pastor of Crosswinds Church. Let me give a special shout out to Elijah Merrill, our producer, and Sheldon Boyce, our assistant producer, for all the work they do to get these podcasts out week after week after week. I appreciate their work as much as I appreciate you, the listener, for taking the time each week to listen to this podcast. If you want to know anything more about this podcast or anything Crosswinds related, I encourage you to head on over to crosswinds.church. Well, I'm excited about the topics we're going to be looking at over the next five weeks. Uh, I'm calling this collectively Five Essential Questions. And and these are not original with me. Um, There's five sort of essential questions that everyone tends to attempt to answer throughout their lives. And uh, this has been looked at from both a Christian perspective as well as as those who aren't part of the faith uh, as, as key questions. They're They've been brought up in, in psychology circles as well as, you know, uh, philosophy circles. And so they're, they're, they're pretty much agreed upon as some of these core questions we ask ourselves. And the five are this. Who am I? Where do I come from? Why am I here? What is the meaning of life? What is my purpose? And, and, and so, you know, we, we look at those questions, and, and they are crucial questions. And so each week, I want to I look at one of those questions. And this week, I've invited um, Betty Ryan, our executive pastor, to, to come back to the podcast and be a part of a discussion on this question of who am I? And before we jump in, I just want to say, Betty, it's great to have you here with us again. Thank you. This is a great topic. I look forward to it. And so this this is a big question. I, I think I think all of us have asked this question. I, I don't know anyone who hasn't. You know, who who am I? Um, and it's so closely connected to where do I come from? And so it's hard to separate the two. Uh, and I don't know if we need to entirely, but to sort of kick off our discussion, you know, I'll take us to Genesis one twenty seven, uh, where it says that God created man in His own image, in the image of God He created him, male and female He created them. And, and, you know, to, to answer the question, who am I, it's hard to, to, to separate the fact that we've been created by God because that verse says who we are. We're image bearers of God. It's, it's really what, what separates us human beings from all of God's other creation. Uh, it means that we're unique among his creation as image bearers of God. And so, uh, as we as we sort of head toward answering that question, who am I? Um, being made in the image of God is, is something that's true whether you're a believer or not. In other words, you don't have to believe in God for the truth that you were created in the image of God to be there. Um, just the reality of it is, if you're an unbeliever trying to answer the question, who am I and don't believe in God, you're never going to come to a true answer. Only us believers, as we look at Scripture, which is God's voice to us, do we understand who we are and, 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 and that journey of becoming uh, aware of what that implication is. Once we understand who we are, what does that have to do with our daily living? And so I think, Betty, I have to ask you this question, you know, and not everyone asks the question in those words, who am I? Um, but by the way we live our life and, and those things, we, we certainly are trying to find the answer to that. Has that been how's that been true in your life? Yeah, I think I have always turned back to God's word. 
So it's hard for me to think outside of that to understand who I am. But you said something um, that was key. You begin to become aware. I think it's always within you, believer or not. Yes. A deep sense of um, the characteristics that were given to us by God. And a couple that come out to me, uh, one key is relationship. You know, to be created in the image of God is to be created in um, a desire for relationship with those around us. That is within us. And so when we separate ourselves from that, whether it's through, um, I I guess the words aren't coming to me right now, how we would separate ourselves, but uh, trying to get ahead in life or trying to get beyond somebody else or desiring something that isn't true in a relationship, that isn't heartfelt in a relationship, it's going against who we truly are within ourselves. We are not then becoming aware of who we really are, if that makes sense to you. No, it does make sense. And, you know, I I find that... You know, as a believer, um, there's accountability to the answer to that question because it's not just who I am, it's who you are, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's accountability, and, and, there's, and I guess I would say there's accountability. I mean, just stop there and just say broad sense accountability that that if we're all made in the image of God, and of course, what does that really mean? It means that, that we're made in, in the capacity uh, to love the way that he loves, uh, obviously not perfect like God's perfect, but being perfected in that love. Um, to have his character, um, you know, it's it's a metaphysical understanding uh, that it, it projects through us. We're not gods. Mm-hmm. We're not small gods. It doesn't mean that. It, it means in the love and the character and our mission with him that we're made in his image to be a part of those things. And so that speaks of worth. Yes. You know, if we're made in the image of God, and, and uniquely so, you know, none of all, no, no, not anything else created is made in his image. We're made in the image of God. That there's a worth question there. That that that's where the accountability comes in. I'm there, therefore, then I am accountable to how I treat another human being mm-hmm. or anything else, in it, for that matter. Mm-hmm. But I'm also accountable to how I allow myself to be treated um, because of that as well. Because that that worth, and you know, I constantly go back to John three sixteen, probably the most popular verse in all of Scripture. But for God so loved the world. You know, and you put your name in there, right? I mean, those of us who've been created in his image, first God so loved us mm-hmm. that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes him will not perish but have eternal life. Jesus came, and, and not only to die for our sins, but in doing so, it shows our worth. For his image bears that God wants to be, who am I? I'm a beloved child of God. That's why I like to tell people. I mean, there's a ton of other things we can put in there that we are, and we look in Scripture, but... The thing I think about most is a beloved child of God who whose worth isn't determined about how I feel about myself or how others feel about me. My worth is demonstrated by how much God shows that he cares for me, sending his son to die on the cross for me. So God the Father sends the son to die for what worth? And, and then to think, but wait a minute, not just me, but for every other human being. And so the way I treat them is is, is important. And answering that question will, will really change the way I go about in a day relating to other people and the way that I expect other people to relate to me. I, I don't know. What do, you, what do you think about that? I think those um, are so important. Oftentimes, we 
uh, make a mistake and think we are worth nothing or uh, we are told by someone else that um, we weren't good enough or we didn't achieve something or uh, whatever it is, uh, as you mature, you're told these things and sometimes we can believe them. But when we return back to God's word and are reminded that we were created in his image and that is significant, it's not just, oh, by the way, yeah. It's, it's very significant, and it gives you purpose. Yeah, worth is, is, isn't determined by the object. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, what makes something worth something to us? It's, it's, it's what we put the value on it. Sure. I was reading the other day, and, you know, I do like history and cultures and, and uh, Japanese tea sets. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the, originally the idea of the tea ceremony in that culture, as far as I understand it, um, came from China. And a lot of the um, tea sets were very expensive. You know, they were they were from China, or they were imitating what they had in China. And and because of the cultural understanding of sort of the the code of the samurai, they didn't want to have things of great value. And so they started to pride themselves off using sort of regular earthenware to do these tea sets. But then the regular earthenware that the the higher samurai had and were using became valuable too. And why? Not because they were of the same quality, per se, of this other stuff. It's because of the worth people put upon it. Absolutely. And, and, and so when God puts worth upon us, it doesn't really matter what anyone else says. It doesn't really matter what we say about ourselves. If we're, if we're you know, orthodox believers, which means we believe what the Scripture says, our worth is, is immense because of Him not because of what we do and don't do. And and that leads me to sort of this understanding of who I am, because we're all made in the image of God, whether we're believers or not. But the scripture is very, very clear that there is two identities between the believer and the unbeliever. But an unbeliever is, is, is in scripture, often the word is used sinner, right? That they're, mm-hmm. they're identified with sin. And the reason is, is because they haven't received Christ to be forgiven of that sin. And, and so to answer the question... You could say, you know, I'm, I'm a beloved image bearer of God, um, but, you would have to say as an unbeliever, but still identified as a sinner, mm-hmm. still lost. Um, whereas a believer, you know, the term sort of changes there, especially in Paul's writings, where he uses the word saint, which means really set apart, right? Um, a set apart chosen one uh, has, has several sort of understandings there of the word saint. But as a believer, I'm no longer identified with sin. I'm identified once again with being that image bearer who's been redeemed by God, mm. set apart because of the work of Christ. And so I, I do look at the two realities, and, and one is that you know, as a if you're an unbeliever and you're not um, even considering the things of Christ, you will never truly be able to answer the question of who I am. And part of it is the implication of the second part. We're all image bearers. But someone who's not in Christ, someone who's an unbeliever, is a sinner, and that sin will blind them until they come to Christ. The believer, on the other hand, is a child of God, image bearer of God, but is a true child of God in the sense of that they're now recognized as a saint because they're in relationship with Jesus Christ. It's a drastic difference. And how tragic then it is when the believer, because they're not pursuing the answer to who I am in the right place, which is God in his word, mm-hmm finds himself in the same predicament as a person who's an unbeliever. And I see that sometimes, you know, and, and it it really breaks my heart. I think we can all fall into it 
in some level. But I see many a believer who really, uh, it's like they, they've come to church, they've quote-unquote prayed a prayer, you know, I'm a follower of God, you know, they believe the things they hear maybe in a message, but they, they haven't really truly um, allowed for the truth of that to wash over them and direct their lives. Does that make sense? Is that... I think I think it does. One of the words that comes to mind when you give that description is striving. There's always a striving where you're trying to get to the next level or be the best of this. If I can only get to that, I'll be happy. If I can only do this, then I'll be happy. And you will never find that true happiness because there's something within you that continues to work and guide you toward Christ and you're denying it. Really? Yeah, and, and, and there's nothing wrong with accomplishments, but when mm-hmm. we I, when, when we get our worth, yes, from those accomplishments, it can be very detrimental. You know, it, one of the first questions most people ask one another as adults is, "Oh, what do you do for a living?" And that's I get it. I mean, what else are you asking, right? I mean, it, it's sort of the introductory question, but the problem is when that becomes who we are, mm-hmm. right? That becomes our worth. Our worth. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a part of what we do. But it's not really a part of our being per se. I mean that that's that's wrapped up into who God is. You know, we're to do everything for His glory anyway. So it, it's not, you know, there's not a pecking order of career that gives us worth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That worth comes from God, and and I find that you're right that you know for for us to see an unbeliever sort of getting worth in other things, it makes a little more sense because they don't have the Spirit of God pointing them and, and directing them to the truth in the sense of a believer who has the indwelling Spirit of God in them doing that. But to me, it seems much more problematic uh, when we see believers mm-hmm. doing that um, for two reasons. One, they're, they're robbing themselves of the joy of answering the question, who am I? And again, mm-hmm. for me, you know, I sum it up in a beloved child of God, but I mean, there's so much more where we're royal priesthood, where you, know, you can go on and on of what the Scripture says we are in Christ. We're salt and light and all these things. But... Um, but for the but for the believer, you're also you're you're missing out on being that witness to the world around you. You know, some of the most uh, amazingly content and joy filled people I've ever been around are people with very little means, and and not a very high social status. And mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that I've been around people who have had a high social status and great means who have been content as well. I'm just saying, in my mind, if you were to say pick, pick out somebody. You know, I think uh, I can name names uh, of just people who I go, man, they didn't have much in, the, in human terms. Um, their jobs weren't things that, that you uh, uh, would look upon as a high you know, social status type career. And yet they were content. They were filled with joy, making a huge difference in the world because they understood who they were in Christ. And, and that you just, you just summed it right up. When you can begin to understand that, you become, um, I, I use the word content not because we remain there but use the word content as we continue to pursue what he's called us to do. And when we pursue what he's called us to do, we'll find success, even when we make mistakes. Because I tell people often to give over your successes and your failures to Christ because um, then you can continue on the path that he's called you on. And it truly will bring you an inner joy, if you will, and inner peace, and I know that sometimes that term can be used uh, too often, but there is a peace that comes with it when you take away the comparison and the striving, and I need to get to this place, and I need to get to this place, and you may very well, um, but you can find contentment in all of the steps along the process if you're, if you're 
truly believing you're you're going where God's called you. Yeah, absolutely. And 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 going there as as an image bearer, right? Yes. That, that we're already that our worth is determined by Him. So all these things, all these other things we pursue, and I agree, we don't give up pursuits. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are things God calls us to do. You know, you you don't, you know, content. In Christ, not content, you know where where your marriage is. Like mm-hmm. if you say, "Man, I'm just really content with where my marriage is. I don't really need more out of it or whatever," um, it probably is going to start to deteriorate. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, any 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 time we plateau in a relationship, it, it tends to deteriorate. And so it's not that we don't pursue to grow deeper in love in our marriage or in a you know even in relationship to friends and 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 certainly you know it's, there's nothing wrong with wanting to grow in a career as long as it's balanced and. And the way that God's called us to all those things, uh, pursuits of, those, of that nature isn't wrong. But if we're finding our worth in that, if we're finding our value in that, um, that's what we're talking about contentment. I'm content with who I am in Christ and not meaning that I don't want to grow in Christ. There's tons of room for me to grow in Christ and I need to because as soon as I say I'm content in the sense of plateauing and you know I'm just going to coast for a while, um, we know we lose ground. We don't gain ground. You don't ever really stay in one place. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, yeah, the contentment just simply means I find my worth in Christ and that really gives me a security to move forward in other things. You know, if I don't have that contentment in Christ, then the, the, the chance of having a healthy, growing marriage is not there, right? I mean, because my contentment needs to be in Him, not my wife, mm-hmm. that she's not meant to carry that weight. Um, my contentment can't be in my career, Mm-hmm. Um, in that sense, my contentment has to be in my worth in Christ and in, 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 in my relationship with Him, because my career can't have that weight. You mm-hmm. know, I, I can't come in to my church family and say, you know, I had a really bad week because this just isn't living up to it. Mm-hmm. You know, and and everyone go, well, what, what were we supposed to do? What was it supposed to look like? Well, it's not. It, God is supposed to give me that worth. Mm-hmm. Then that generates all the energy of finding of great value in what I do in these other things God's called me to. I think it begins with the image. It yes. all comes from that understanding everything that we do, everything that we reflect. You know, you said it earlier, to claim to be a believer but to not reflect him, there's something missing in there. And you're not allowing yourself to receive the full uh, capacity capacity of what's available to you. There's just so much more. But when you realize who you are, you can start to open the doors to those. So it has everything. It has to start with that. It has to. And, and just how immense that worth is. You know, yeah. it's hard for us because I think it's hard for me at least because we live in a in, in a world where values do change. You know, well, everyone values gold, but gold isn't always worth the same. Right, the gold prices go up and sure. down, up and mm-hmm. down, and and then you know different things become in right. So at some point in time, pearls are a big deal, right? And and so they're worth a lot. And then all of a sudden, people don't wear pearls quite so much, and they're worth less. They're never never worth nothing, right? Um, but they're not going to be worth as much as in some other periods. Or and I'm using jewelry and stuff because they're they're probably the oldest way of exchanging things. You know, mm-hmm. we know people used to exchange shells as currency, right, back in the day. And can you imagine going to a store and saying, hey, I have this really beautiful shell and, you know, I, I want to get my groceries with it. You know, I, go, I don't think so. I can mm-hmm. get a shell on the beach too, you know. But at, at a time, that was currency for some for some cultures in ancient times. And so, you know, for us to actually understand, uh, wrap our mind around uh, the fact, for me to wrap my mind around the fact that my worth doesn't, doesn't go up and down. Mm-hmm. That it's consistently mm. priceless in God's eyes, and how? Do, why do I say priceless again? Not because of me, but because of what He was willing to pay for it, which was His Son Jesus Christ. And so I'm an image bearer of God, who 
because of the fall, when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, um, sin entered the world. You know, we became sinners in a sense. Uh, and, and as sinners, uh, we had this interrupted re- relationship with God. In fact, it was a, a totally disrupted relationship with God. What was our worth? Well, it, it could have been that the creator of the universe would say, well, not much. Therefore, I'll let you stay in that situation. But he didn't. He said, no, it's priceless to me. So I'll send my son, God to follow, send my son to, to die for their sins so they can be in a right relationship with me. And I just, I just can't help but think that if we keep our mind on that, that it's not prideful then, because mm. it's not mm. on me, it's, it's him. Mm-hmm. But it's not, it's not um, but it is pride in him. It's, it's being able to boast in him. And again, you know, you've probably heard me say this in, in, when, I've, when I've shared in front of our church family, you know, if you mess with me, you mess with the Lord. Sure. Like he's my heavenly father and I'm his child. And so go for it if you want to, but it's not going to end well for you. You could hurt me. But, you know, I, I think of um, Christ and, and his encounter with Paul on the road, you know, to Damascus. And, and, and he's heading near Paul as Paul's persecuting the church. Jesus doesn't say, why are you persecuting my kids? Mm. His, he so identifies with us. He says, why, why are you persecuting me, Paul? Mm-hmm. And I think something clicked in Paul's mind. He's like, oh, my goodness, the Lord is associating his people with himself. I don't know about you, but to me, that speaks of a lot of worth. That, that is a big deal and was something that in their um, idea of worth, even in Paul's time, right, uh, getting the education and being a Roman and just doing the different things that he had to do to accumulate worth, it was all thrown away. You know, in that moment when he began to understand what it really meant and he heard his God tell him. It wasn't just somebody else, but God is the one, Jesus is the one who told him who told him that through, the, through that conversation. Yeah, it's in the same breath why Paul can say, here's all the achievements yep. humanly I've made. Yep. You know, I'm the chief of all sinners. You know, that, that the reality of it is without Christ, I'm not worth anything but with him. And, you know, a lot of the teaching of, of what I've been sharing about who we are in Christ comes from a lot of Paul's letters. Sure. Of this profound understanding of just, uh, no, you, you are uh, worth worth. The death of God's son, mm-hmm. you know, and 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 the good news as a believer is we understand the rest of the story, and and His resurrected power is in us, and He's gonna He's preparing preparing a place for us in paradise. And I, you know, we don't talk a lot about that. I mean, we talk about heaven, and heaven's gonna be great. No, no, no. That Jesus is literally preparing a place for us. I heard one person years ago uh, say, you know, and He's been doing that for like two thousand years. What a mm-hmm. place it must be, mm-hmm. right? Preparing mm-hmm. a place for us to be with Him in paradise, and you don't prepare a place for someone for that long who you don't care about. And I, I, I love the way that you use Paul, because yeah. how could the Lord care about Paul, <laughs> who had persecuted his yes. people, but he does. He does. You know, so it, it For does. anyone out there who's saying, I've done, you know, you don't know what I've done. I, I say, I don't need to know what you've done. Mm-hmm. The, the truth, again, doesn't change. And, and I th- feel that this question of who I am is so basic. It's why it's the first question of these yes. five essential mm-hmm. questions. Because when you start to, to not just recognize but really accept who you are. Mm -hmm. Then you can start to really dig deeper into this relationship we have with God and one another that really does transcend doing. It's a being thing, right? We are beloved children of God. That's what God created us to be. If you're not in relationship with Christ, 
You're, you're an image bearer who's a sinner. You're lost. Mm-hmm. But once we come to Christ, we're an image bearer who's a saint. We're a beloved child of God. And, and the reality of it is, yes, we want to do right things, but our worth doesn't change by the right or wrong things we do. Paul's worth was not defined by his past um, mistakes, the past way that he had hurt God's people. That wasn't what defined him. Likewise, it wasn't the greatest things that he did that defined him. It was his relationship with Christ, and that's what he'll. That's what he says throughout his writings. It is about that um, that brings him to the ability to do any of it. You know, we look at we look at Paul, who, um, or I mean Peter, who could who hid at one point in an upper room, and then as soon as he was able and the Holy Spirit came upon him, he could speak for Christ boldly. Yes. There are so many changes that take effect, but it's not on our own that we do it, and I think that's important to understand Yeah, our worth well. isn't, isn't defined by who we are in and of ourselves. Right. It, it, it describes who we are as image bearers of God, and mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's focused on him, and we realize that it's, it's quite liberating to, to live the life of God's called us to live. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I, let me ask you this question, is, since I have you here and you're a leader at Celebrate Recovery mm-hmm. and it's a great ministry that helps people work through their hurts, their habits, their hang-ups, um, how does this play in recovery? You know, I mean, what, 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 what is the, you know, because I could see people think, well, if I could just work through these steps, but there has to be a basis that allows these steps to really have power, that the steps in and of themselves could become somewhat temporary, Absolutely. If you have, you know what I'm saying? If you're worth resting, I've gone through these steps versus somewhere, versus with the Lord. Well, I think it comes back down to we are sinners and we will never be perfect. Yeah. So if we rely on our own strength, if you will, to make it through each of these steps and to continue in that process, what happens when we make a mistake? Yeah. We're done, I guess. Yeah. You know, well, this wasn't for me and I couldn't do it and I give up. Whereas... Um, when you enter into that relationship with Christ, which is the second step, the first thing you got to do is come out of denial and realize, oh my gosh, there's something that I need. I'm, I'm not doing this right. right. The second one is to acknowledge Christ. And then the third one is to say, okay, I got to give it over to him. Mm. It is a process, right? We begin to know who he is, begin to understand that. And what I love is he's the one who opens our hearts to be able to give it over. And so the rest of the steps really more than build on, because mm-hmm. they certainly do build. Yeah. But they have to continually recognize those first three things, right? It must be that must be first because otherwise you're right, it's too hard. You tried. You tried yeah. before. Celebrate recovery is not usually the first place that people have come sometimes. And thank goodness for that. But yeah. oftentimes it's the second or the third or the fourth try. And um, they'll see a difference. Somebody told me once they went to um, an AA meeting, and I love AA meetings. I don't sure, have anything against I have them. Friends no, who have found great, great healing yep. through that too. So, and that's what this person said. They said they had they had stopped acting out on their addiction, but it was only through selling. So, so it's it saved their life, kind of. Sure. But when they came to celebrate recovery, it saved their soul. They really uh, had a whole different outlook on yeah. on what it means to be free to live. They like. Peter um, could go on now and do something and didn't have to be held back by their past mistakes and feel like they were unworthy. That's, again, in the image of God. Yeah, as we, as we begin to head into some of the other questions, you mm-hmm. know, why am I here and those type of things, you know, I think it's, it's so, I don't, it is, it's so important that we continue to understand our worth as image bearers of God and mm-hmm. as believers, again, um, forgiven, 
you know, mm-hmm. in a right relationship with God. There's no condemnation, Paul writes in Romans 8.1, for those who are in Christ Jesus. Why? Because Jesus already paid the price, you know. It gives us great freedom then to, to move on and understand that our worth isn't something that does fluctuate. And so I love what you said earlier. So we can give our successes and our failures over to the Lord and allow Him to, to grow us through them. Um, but in doing so, understanding that, that He doesn't love us more when we're successful and any less when we've failed, but even more than love, He doesn't value us anymore when we succeed and any more than when we fail. It doesn't mean we're not accountable to our choices. We certainly are. In fact, the sad reality is is that everyone's an image bearer of God, but if you haven't received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you will be judged by your sin. Um, Why? Well, because Jesus paid the price for our sin, and the only way to receive forgiveness is by receiving him as Lord and Savior. But once we do that, then we can truly embrace being image bearers of God, and like I like to say, being a beloved child. Mm -hmm. Uh, In fact, the Scripture uses the word Abba Father, which is equivalent really to our daddy. I mean, there's an intimate relationship there. And and so when people, you know, who am I? Uh, The Scripture is so clear on that. We're, we're, we're children of God and, and, and beloved children of God, and, and that should make a difference, again, where I started in the way that we, we deal with other people in a way that we allow people to even deal with us uh, to the extent that it's in our power to do so. Uh, but, you know, just, just that's who we are. We're yes. beloved children of God. And so as we sort of wrap up this time together, Betty, let me let you give a last word of, from yourself. You know, what would you say to this topic to the person listening that maybe you haven't said already? Um, I think I, I just... I'm reminded not to rely on my human understanding of what relationship looks like, not to rely on my human understanding of what love and grace and mercy looks like because it's outside of what I can grasp. And so it's hard to trust and to work in that process, but you've got to go there. And you have continually reminded us that we are a beloved child of God. I think I would also add that we are a part of his family. Yeah. And that's a that's a family that is not... In God's eyes, all these imperfections and these, you know, these people who are wrong, but a family that is loved and gathered together and can grow together, and it makes all the difference. Yeah, we speak a lot about self-image, and when we understand that we're made in the image of God, maybe we should even change that a little bit, you know, and and reflective God image or something, mm-hmm. you know, if, if mm-hmm. we just could, if we could just grasp that. Then, then really what we're doing as believers is simply striving to live who we are mm-hmm. instead of becoming mm-hmm. something. No, no, we already are this. Sure. And so every day I'm just, I'm just living to, 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 to reflect that, honestly. You know, and so we don't want to fail, but but we know we're going to, and, and and we can learn from that and become more. But but our image, what other people see, isn't always what's true, right? Mm-hmm. Anyway, we we are in God's image, and so by His power, as we start to work through some of the other questions, we're able then to reflect that more and more perfectly, not perfectly, yeah. you know, but more and more perfectly. And so it's just a powerful blessing to be a again a. I've said it about 20 times already, but a beloved child of God. Absolutely. And so, Betty, thanks so much for being a part yeah, of this podcast. You. And this is a very crucial first question of the five essential questions. Who am I? If you're asking that question, then then for anyone who's listening to this, the answer is the exact same in this sense. You're an image, you're an image bearer of God. You're made in the image of God. Now, if you're an unbeliever, you're made in the image of God, and you you are by scripture called a sinner. I know that may sound off-putting. Uh, but as Betty said, the first step is acknowledging where you're at uh, and then receiving Christ. And when you receive Christ, then then you're able to really enter
enter into the fact that you're an image bearer of God that's truly part of his family. And I think sometimes there is there is one race, right? The human race. And so so that that is a reality, but there isn't one family. When we look at scripture, there is two different groups in the world. Paul likes to use the term in some places, there are those who are in Adam, which means there are those who are still suffering the full consequences of the fall when sin entered the world, and there are those who are in Christ, who we live in a fallen world, so until we are in paradise, we still will be affected by that, but we are different people. You know, uh, John uh, writes that we've been renewed, you know, and so we're renewed, and we're in this renewed relationship, we're part of his family, and that's open to everyone. When people says, well, that seems very closed-minded or very narrow, uh, it is what it is, uh, but it is the path to really discovering who you are and, and giving you the, the availability to see worth in others and worth in yourself. And so um, I just encourage you, uh, continue to ask that question, who am I? If you haven't answered it already, um, find, the, find the answer, right? Mm-hmm. And hopefully this will help you do that. And uh, if you have found the answer, I hope this encourages you today to, to really just ponder, what should that mean in my interactions with other people? What is the practical application of being a, an image bearer of God when I, when I think of, of the, all the people around me and how I treat them and how they treat me? Um, I guarantee you this world would be a much different place if all of us would actually live as image bearers. Because after all, it's who we are. Absolutely. Well, thanks for listening to this podcast. Uh, join with me next week when we will be tackling the second question. Uh, of of uh, of the five uh, essential questions that people ask, and, and that is, you know, really not just who am I, but where did I come from? Where did I come from? I say they both tie really closely together, but but we'll be venturing into that a little more. Remember, if you want to learn more about this podcast or anything Crosswinds related, head on over to Crosswinds.church. But for now, as always, be blessed and bless others. Mm-hmm.